Hi, this is Joram from the Plants and Pipettes podcast. This week we are still taking a break from our regular podcasting schedule because life keeps us too busy to research, prepare and record a proper episode. But worry not, we have another short story from the world of plant research for you. There's no such thing as the Arabidopsis genome. In the year 2000, the first complete nuclear genome of a plant species, Arabidopsis thaliana, was released into the wild, also known as to a bunch of salivating scientists. Less than 20 years later, we had a total of 1135 genomes for Arabidopsis alone. Today, we're talking about Arabidopsis races and how they are a powerful tool for unraveling plant secrets. Arabidopsis likely diverged from its closest relative about 10 million years ago, and the invasive weed has since spread through northern Eurasia. In the literally millions of years following, the species diversified into hundreds of race-like ecotypes, populations of plants that have settled in and then adapted to certain geological areas. While there has been some crossbreeding between the ecotypes, there has also been a whole lot of time spent alone, leading to evolution of traits that can differ from one ecotype to the next. Arabidopsis ecotypes, which are also called accessions, can differ from each other in their size, shape, rate of growth, metabolic content, flowering behavior, and in their response to light, stress, and disease. In some cases, these variations can clearly be linked to the location of origin of the accessions, gifting scientists with vital information about environmental adaptation. For example, while some Arabidopsis accessions flower simply when they reach a certain age and others take cues from the day length, certain northern accessions will only reproduce once they've experienced cold and can feel the spring again. This can be linked to a logical desire not to start flowering just as a harsh winter begins. In the lab, by the way, we deal with this by shoving poor plants in the fridge for a bit and then bringing them out again. Linking phenotype with environment is cool, but by obtaining the genomes of these ecotypes, we can take it one step further, looking for the DNA differences that cause the changes. Having access to many genotypes belonging to many diverse ecotypes makes it much easier to look for patterns of change that link cause, the DNA, and effect, the phenotype. For example, if two accessions are compared, one with an early flowering phenotype and one without, it can be tricky to discover which of the many differences in their two genomes facilitate flowering faster. However, if we now have 1135 accessions and the 200 that flower early all have a certain change in a certain protein, which stand out amongst the noise of all the other changes, but the late flowering ones don't have this change, well, then we can start to make some functional links. It's not completely unlike the movie A Beautiful Mind. Comparing genotype and phenotype like early flowering in multiple, think 300, not 3 ecotypes, at the same time can help find beautiful mind-like patterns. Similarly, an early study investigating just 20 accessions, admittedly choosing a range of particularly diverse candidates, found that nearly 10% of known protein-coding genes were effectively broken or missing in at least one accession. This kind of metadata analysis can give clues about the importance of the missing genes in general. Genes that are essential for life are more likely to be maintained in all accessions, or perhaps their requirement under certain environmental conditions. By the way, this in-species diversity is of course not unique to Arabidopsis. In crop plants, we tend to discuss cultivars, varieties that have been specifically bred for certain traits. Apart from the trait that has been bred, think large size of fruits, leafy plants, etc., there are also variations that have come along for the ride. 
In tobacco, for example, some cultivars have a resistance response to the tobacco mosaic virus, which confines the bug to tiny sectors of the plant leaf. Meanwhile, in other cultivars, the virus spreads like wildfire, ultimately killing the plant. Some cultivars of tomato may be easily regenerated, allowing growth of entire tomato plants from tiny leaf pieces, while others refuse. And different cultivars of rice and wheat have various responses to abiotic and biotic stresses, including things like flooding, drought and salinity. As we often mention on the blog, when it comes to nature, variety is the spice of life, which makes these ecotypes an immensely valuable resource to scientists. We have talked on the podcast about ecotypes in research a couple of times already. By the way, the most commonly used Arabidopsis accession, and the ones whose genome was sequenced first, is called Zero. This guy is a bit of a trickster because it's named for Colombia in the US, but it's actually a Central European accession. Other common players are LER, LER, WS and C24. Depending on the question researchers are trying to answer, different accessions are useful. And for some of these questions, they use all accessions at once. This article was written by Tegan and published in March this year. If you like this short essay, you can find it and other articles on our website, plantsandpipettes.com. We continue our break for a little longer. If you don't want to miss our return, follow us on Instagram, Facebook or Twitter, or simply subscribe to this podcast in your favorite podcast app. The opening and closing music is Caravana by Philip Gross. Until next time. Until next time.